God's going to do miracles this weekend. He's going to transform your thinking. He's going to give you power. And he's going to give you dominion and abundance and multiplication. Start expecting the blessing. Not without a fight. Not without resistance. But it cannot be stopped. Because God has ordained it according to his word. And you are a part of it. so glad for the vision of your pastor. He has such a tremendous vision for this church, for this community, and the impact that God wants to have in this community through your ministry. And I'm just delighted to be able to share with you those principles in the spirit that God has revealed to me that I've shared with Pensacola that caused us to grow and double and increase and multiply, and we're still multiplying. And the enemy's fighting. He's never going to give up fighting. But the, according to the word, we've got weapons of our warfare, which are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So that's what I want to impart to you is that faith and confidence and assurance that God is indeed going to pull down those strongholds on your behalf and give you the victory in Jesus' name. He's going to do it. I think you ought to turn to two people and say, he's going to do it. Now I want you to turn. I want you to turn to two more people and said, he's going to use me to do it. That's key. That's key. So I'm delighted to have brother and sister Balji a part of our refresh, which is a ministry we conduct every month in order to facilitate growth all over the United Pentecostal Church, the world, North America, South America, Africa, uh, the British Isles, and, and on and on and on. We just love to see God work powerfully. Now, I want to share with you this evening, and I want you to stand because I'm going to read the word of the Lord to you. I want to share with you what I taught our church in Pensacola. I gave them two concepts and I hammer those concepts continually in my preaching and every time I address the congregation somewhere in my remarks these two concepts can be seen and can be heard and I do everything I can to impact their heart with them and I want to share them with you here tonight because I believe they're key to this church going to the next level of growth and breakthrough. Now, you say, well, we have a small church. No, you do not. You have a growing church. Size has nothing to do with it. There are churches that may have more people, but they're not growing, and that's not good. And if you're not growing, you're dying. No matter how many people you have, you can always grow and have the mentality and the thinking of growth. I thank God for revival and harvest, but I also want people to grow because growing changes you into the person that God wants you to be. And then this church can increase and multiply because I'm going to speak a blessing upon this church and this church is going to double 
I believe this church can double in a single year. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1 and verses 1, and then we're going to kind of do commentary as I read each verse. And I may go through verse 5. I may go through verse 5. It begins like this. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Don't you know that we're just a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ? We're not a different entity than Jesus. We are the ministry of Jesus in the earth. Until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive. If I'm going to show up at church, I'm going to show myself alive. I don't care how tough a time I had getting here. I didn't even get to bed to 3 a.m. in the morning, but that's not going to stop me from walking in here and showing myself alive. The church ought not be dead. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive, and you ought to be alive. I said, wake up. Come up out of that grave. I said, get on up out. Get on up out. And be alive in the house. Okay. But notice this. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Now notice that in the divine order, passion precedes proof. Everybody wants proof first before they get passionate. And God requires you to be passionate before there's proof. So you need to get passionate about growth before you can perceive it. And it, there's proof given that it's happening. Being seen of them 40 days, and what are we going to do? We're going to speak of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together, we're going to come together with them, commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But church, wait for the promise. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he says, "Ye have heard of me. For John baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire not many days hence. So what I'm going to speak is going to come to pass in your life. And here's my text, very simply this, bring your passion with you. Bring your passion with you. Don't wait for somebody to sing you to a place of passion. Don't wait till you get to church and somebody has to perform at a certain level before you can get passionate. You need to be passionate about what Jesus has already done in your life. Well, I need somebody to do something. Jesus died on the cross for you. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose again on the third day. What else do you need, honey? He filled you with the Holy Ghost, baptized you in Jesus' name. You got the very creative Word of God in your mouth. Speak it. That's what I'm talking about. Bring your passion with you. Is anybody passionate about Jesus? Is anybody passionate about this church doubling? Before there's proof, there has to be passion. And so I want to impart that to you. Would you just...
connect with somebody around you and pray if you're comfortable with that. Connect with them right now. And let's pray together. Lift your voice. Let me hear a voice of intercession in this house as you cry out to the Lord that God would open your mind and spirit to receive the Word, the Word of God that is here, ready to minister grace to you, ready to multiply you, ready to fulfill His promise in your life. I will wait for the promise, Lord. I will not get in a hurry. I will not try to force it in my flesh. I will allow you to work, for you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. God bless you. You're, you may be seated. Now, I talked with Brother Tinney. I don't know if any of you remember Brother T.F. Tinney a few months before he died. He being the last line, he said, Brian, I'm the last man trained by the founding fathers of the Pentecostal movement of the 20th century. And, I, and he was telling me about a revival that took place in my hometown of Lake Charles, Louisiana, back in the day, back in 1916. I am, I am fourth-generational Pentecostal. My children are fifth-generational, and my grandchildren are sixth-generation Pentecostal. My great-grandmother got the Holy Ghost in Billy Sunday's revival in Jennings, Louisiana in 1917. That's how far back. Now, Billy didn't preach Holy Ghost, but he preached repentance. And so when you preach the Word and people repent according to the Word, you don't have to preach the rest of it. You just get one thing going, and God will give you all of it. And, and my great-grandmother got the Holy Ghost, and my grandmother was just a little girl and remembers her hearing her talk in tongues and speaking in other tongues. I mean, it was just really interesting that she was telling the story, said, when I grow up, I'm going to find me a church that talks in them funny languages. And that crazy talk, she called it crazy talk. Said, I'm going to find me a church. I just want to know, am I in a church that does the crazy talk? Has anybody ever done the crazy talk? Speaking with other tongues and the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Well, Brother Tenney was telling me about this revival. And, and what, what happened, Brother, Brother Williams, Brother John Williams came to Lake Charles and set up a tent many years ago. And, and the, the revival lasted for nine months and people came from all over the Kakashu River Basin to this revival. And when the revival was over, only 12 people in Gosport in that entire area had not received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. And I said, God, if they can claim that city for Jesus, why can't I claim Pensacola? And why can't I join with Goshen, Indiana, and we claim it for this church in Jesus' name? God is ready to pour out his spirit. And so I asked Brother Tenney, what is the difference between that generation and our generation? Why were they able to see that kind of move of the Holy Ghost when it seems that sometimes we struggle with that and there's such resistance in the air? And he said, one word, Brian, and that's the word passion. We lack 
passion. And so I got to studying it because I want to discover how do I get this passion that they had in the beginning. I want it now. I don't want God to have to put me through some kind of horror deal in order for me to get passionate about him. I want to be as passionate about his purpose. I don't want to wait for a problem or God to chastise me or put me through a trouble to make me passionate about worship. When I walk in the door, I want to be passionate about the kingdom of God. So here are two concepts that I taught our church in Pensacola I want to share with you. I want you to get a hold of this. I want you to buy into it. I want you to believe it and then start operating it immediately. The good thing about it is you don't have to go to college to figure it out, and you don't have to be super spiritual to do it. You just got to do it. <laughs> huh? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, why don't you just do it? I taught our church, I said, don't come to church to receive a blessing. Come to church to give a blessing. Mm, boy, that's a hard concept for so many people because everybody here needs to receive something from God in order to be helped, to be blessed, to be better than you were when you came. you got to receive something. So we understand the principle of receiving has to be a part of the kingdom of God. But you got to get it in the right order. You don't receive until you give. He said, if you'll give, I'll have men give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In other words, you got to learn to give. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. Did you come to give your praise or receive something in the house? I think everybody ought to come to give something in this place because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do you want to receive more than you ask for? Then you ought to give your praise. Not just give it, give it with passion. Quit waiting on these singers to sing you into a good mood. It's not my job to get you in a good mood. You ought to walk in here in a good mood, ready to worship God, because Jesus has done some great stuff in your life. You're a part of a great church. You're a part of a great dream. You're a part of a great purpose. And you ought to be passionate about it. How many of you are thankful that God picked you up? God washed your sins away. God's brought you into the fellowship of the believers. How many of you are thankful in this house that I'm not in the world any longer, but I belong to Jesus? So you got to learn. To give and not receive. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to receive. It means actually you're going to receive more if I can teach you how to give first rather than coming with the expectation of receiving. I've had so many people say, I say, I really need to get something out of this service. I, I understand that. I've been to many services where I walked in with the understanding I needed to receive something from the Lord. But the principle is, I cannot receive it until I give it. Is it not that we are disappointed when we come to church many times because it didn't meet our expectation? 
It did not meet what we thought I had received in some other service. But I want to ask you, did you give anything in order to receive something? The rabbis taught before Jesus was born. As a matter of fact, they taught this quite often to their children and to their children's children. They taught them, said, don't wait for somebody to come up and shake your hand or greet you. But you be the first to initiate the greeting. Because there is a greater blessing in the initiation of it than it is in receiving it. So you need to walk up if you want, to be, you want friends, be friendly. You want to receive, give. Don't ask me to do one thing here tonight until you decide I'm going to add value to this service and give it everything I've got. So how many of you are going to give? How many of you desire to give so that you might receive what the Holy Ghost wants to give you? But here's another concept. This is what I want to talk to you about. Bring your passion with you. Passion always precedes proof. God never gives proof until you decide to be passionate about things. Well, Brother Kinsey, how do I generate passion? The only way I have found out is to determine what I'm talking about when I'm not in church. Man, it sure is quiet. Y'all making me feel like I'm right at home back in Pensacola. That's exactly what they did when I first introduced that concept. They sat there and looked at me like I had lost my ever-loving mind. But I've come to tell you, you need to start talking about the things of God. It's hard to be passionate about coming to church when you're on Facebook running everything down. Well, I got one amen. And I got, well, that's right. And that's it. Well, I do feel at home right now. All three of you responded, praise God. I just want to know, you need to start talking this stuff. You need to talk it on Monday morning. You say, I'm not a morning person. That's all right. But some of you aren't a morning person, evening person, or a noon person. Anytime I meet you, you're still not a person. What's wrong with you? Why don't you just wake up and realize Jesus is good and start talking about the kingdom and start, don't wait till you get to church to discover your passion. You need to walk up in here with a passion, believing that God is true to his promise. Now, I can't change the principles of scripture, honey. I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. There's a waiting period for every promise. I can't give you the promise unless it's time for it. And it's got to be time in order for God to do it. And you got to wait that time. And some of you are impatient. How many of you know you wanted it yesterday? How many of you are impatient? You're impatient with me right now because you want me to hurry up and get to the end so you can get your miracle. He preached a miracle on me here tonight, and I want him to hurry up, and I want my miracle. I get that. I want to hurry up too. But I promise you, I can't hurry God. We need to wait on the Lord. 
You can't be passionate unless you allow God to have that waiting time to develop you and to develop the purpose. So bring your passion with you. I don't want to find my passion at church. I came to share my passion. Here's what I've learned in practice. You cannot be passionate about things you're not committed to. Passion percolates in an attitude of commitment. Ignorance kills dreams. Information illuminates dreams. And passion ignites dreams. So here's what I've learned to do. And I don't mean anything by this other than I mean exactly what I'm saying. I seek out encouragers. If you think I'm going to spend my time with vampires that want to drain me of every ounce of my life and joy and peace, that by the time I walk away from them, I'm wanting to pull what little bit of hair I got left out. I want to be around people that encourage me that have the inner security to allow me to share my dream and my passion. How many of you have got people in your life that give you permission to dream, that speak faith into your heart? And tell it, instead of saying how bad it is, they declare how great God is. I'm not saying deny that it's bad. I'm saying that you got to declare God's bigger than the bad. God's gooder than the bad. I said he's bester than the best. And you need to get that revelation and get a passion about it. I think you ought to prepare to shine when you learn how to use those quiet moments for the glory of God. Church, find your voice and speak up. But let it be a voice of faith. be a voice of worship you ought to speak it in this house God's going to give me the promise tonight I receive what God is going to do because I'm going to give him my passion in this place I'm going to sing with passion I'm going to worship with passion passion builds when you commit to maximizing your day and identifying dream killers and refuse to accept boundaries that others impose on you you can't act out of duty and obligation. If you do, it'll degrade your joy. You got to act out of joy. And when you act on your burden, it generates passion. Samuel Johnson, an 18th century writer, made this statement, people don't need instruction nearly as often as they need to be reminded. And sometimes you know exactly what you need to do. Somebody just needs to remind you, and I'm the reminder tonight. So I'm just going to get all up in your grill and your Kool-Aid, and I'm going to tell you that you don't have enough passion to realize the promise. Uh, you need to take it up a notch in the Holy Ghost. When you clap your hands, you ought to clap them with passion. When you worship, you ought to worship with passion. Share your vision with other people. What do you want to see happen in this church? Don't run around saying, well, I want our church to stay just like it is. Why do you want it to stay just like That's crazy. I don't want to stay like I am right now. I want to be better than I've ever been. Does anybody want to be better? You cannot be passionate if you don't know three things. Here's three things you've got to know. Number one, you need to know your message. What do you believe? 
What is your message? You don't have a message crafted to be able to speak into other people's lives. You cannot be passionate. If you got to scratch your head and say, well, let me think about that for a moment. You've already messed up. You're not passionate. You can only be passionate when you are settled and focused on the message that you have come to declare. God spoke to me and said, I want you to declare this to this church because they are hungry for it. They desire it. And I want you to speak it into their life. And so when I walked in here, didn't make a difference what the trials were to get here. I'm going to be passionate because I know my message. I believe somebody's going to receive this word here tonight and you're going to become a difference maker not only in your own life but in the lives of others you speak this message to. What is your message? I'll tell you, we've got the best message that's ever could be devised and that is Jesus is triumphant. Jesus is alive. Jesus has conquered sin and hell and death. Jesus is my King and my Lord and my Savior. Is anybody passionate about that? That's my message. I've come to declare He is Lord and Savior in this house. you got to know your message, but you also have to know your mission. Although the mission of Jesus Christ is simple, it's not always easy to keep it the main thing. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to provide a sacrifice to finish the work of redemption. He came to make us free, true disciples. Here's what he wants to do. He wants to transform. And so he can transfer his glory into your life. So you can transmit it to everybody you come in contact with. He came so we could become sons of God and fishers of men. He came so we could do the same things he did. Jesus began both to do and to teach these things. This is his message. This is his mission. If you don't know why you're here, you can't be passionate. It's impossible until you know why. Why are you in the church? Why are you in this place? Why? When you know why, you can be passionate. I know what I want to say, and I know why I'm here, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen, and I can't wait till Brother Balji comes on refresh and says our church has just doubled. Brother Kinsey spoke it. I believed it. Everybody started declaring it, and it happened. <laughs> My family's come in. Your family's come in. Other people you've been witnessing to, teaching Bible studies to, when you know your message and you know your mission. Very powerful stuff. Third thing. First thing is you got to know what? Your message. Second thing is you got to know what? Your mission. Third thing, you need to know your master. If you don't know Jesus, because passion comes when you understand it's all based in relationship, not concepts. It's based in who you know, not what you know. Because you can't be passionate. I have found that people who seemingly are passionate about what they know are, are generally just arrogant and not really passionate. But when you know who's behind the message, you know who's issued the mission, you know who has saved you from hell. I've never gotten over getting forgiven by Jesus Christ. 
I've never gotten over getting the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old in a Sunday school classroom. I don't know if some of you are probably not as old as I am. And so you don't remember the little flannel graphs in Sunday school that we used to use. All of y'all have got digital. Y'all don't even know what a record is, do you? Y'all don't even have, nobody here knows what eight tracks are. Even, oh, you know what eight tracks? So you're, you're ancient of days with me. Okay. Amen. Come on, elder. Hallelujah. That's my brother right there. Brother Balji, he's a young man. He don't even know. I have to. Oh, eight track. I, I don't. They don't even know what eight tracks are, but <laughs> but back then they had the little flannel graphs, and they had the flannel graphs of all of these disciples, and they were in the upper room. That was the picture, and the fire falling on them, and you could tell they were speaking in other tongues. And I, I was kneeling down. I had been praying for the Holy Ghost for a couple of years, and I couldn't seem to receive it. But I was kneeling down in that Sunday school class. Listen to me, church. I remember it well. And I said, God, I want that fire to fall on me just like it did on the day of Pentecost. And these disciples I see on this flannel graph. Instantly, the Holy Ghost hit me. I woke up 40 minutes later on the floor. I had tore up that Sunday school classroom. And I was laying out. Woo! Speaking in other tongues. And I've never gotten over it. I said I've never gotten over it because I know my master. Jesus has backed up every promise. He said he would go the second mile with me. And he has done that. Because you see, first mile people that don't understand how to go second mile, they'll offer you a better deal, a better transaction, and a better product. But second mile people have a better relationship. I have learned not the craftsmanship of the master, but I have learned the heartbeat and the mind of the master. Because you can't build passion if you don't know the master. I'm here because of Jesus. I'm here. I sing because of Jesus. I don't sing because I'm a good singer. I sing in the key of B for bad. But I'm going to sing anyway. They up here singing. I might as well join them. I probably messed them all up. Said, my God, I wish that preacher would hush and quit singing. He's messing me up. I don't care. I know who Jesus is. I'm not singing because I'm good. I'm singing because he's good. I'm not worshiping because I'm good. I'm worshiping because he's good. Hallelujah. So here are some choices you got to make if you're going to be passionate. Here's some choices I want you to make. Three choices I have learned to do in my life to create passion. First of all, you got to know. Know your what? Your mission. Know what? Your message. Know what? Your master. All right? Remember, you got to make three choices. Here's the first choice. Choose to be happy. Choose to be joyful. Some of you don't have enough joy in your life. 
And I know it's a struggle right now for some of you, and there's relationship issues, there's conflicts, there's people that don't like you, there's people that want to see you fail, and there's all kinds of situations in people's lives. And I, and I weep for every one of you. I really do because I know it's a struggle, and it's a battle right now, and the devil's fighting all of us. He's not just fighting me. He's fighting you. I mean, I've got terrible situations going on in Pensacola right now. I come here, and all of the devils broke loose over in Pensacola. I've been on the phone all after. I was trying to get some rest so I'd be passionate about this service tonight, and I couldn't rest because everybody wanted to call. Oh, Brother Kinsey, i got to call you. Oh, I need to talk to you. And so I was on the phone the whole afternoon. But it does not matter to me why. Because I have chosen to be joyful in who Jesus is and what he has done. And you need to make a choice. Because if you're putting your joy in circumstances, you will never be passionate about a single thing in your entire life. You must choose to be happy. There is a choice you have to make in everything you do. So keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. You have to choose to be happy. You have to choose to be joyful. And so you've got to be able to smile. You've got to be joyful. You've got to come across and say, I am not going to sit here and be depressed for the rest of my life. Depression, I come against you. I'm not going to be angry for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be resentful for the things that have happened to me that God allowed. I refuse to be resentful. I come against that resentment right now in you in the name of Jesus. There's depression on you and I come against it in Jesus' name. And I say I'm going to choose to be happy and I'm going to choose to be joyful and I'm going to walk in here and I'm going to rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Come up out of that grave right now. Get out of that prison of depression. Come on. That's my master. That's my savior. And you need to sing about it. Socrates once said, to move the world, we must first move ourselves. So therefore, here's my second choice. First choice is what? Be happy. First choice is? All right, thank you. One, one got it. Let's try it again. The answer is be happy. I'm not trying to trick you or set you up for failure. Listen, it's not double ties if you miss it. It's all right. Go ahead and try. Anyhow, choose to be happy. Choose to be happy. Choose to be happy. Second thing, choose to be a self-motivator. Quit waiting on somebody else to motivate you. My passion does not come from your energy. My passion comes from my own internal engine that is fueled by the dynamo of God's Spirit. Now, a lot of people say that we receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon us and the word power is dunamis, and they say that dunamis is dynamite, and that is one use of the word, but the word is also means dynamo, which means it generates energy, it generates power. And you need a dynamo, not just dynamite. You don't just need to explode when you feel something. You need something that's perpetual and continually producing something in your life. Choose to be a self-motivator. Here's another thing. I, I choose to bless rather than curse. Amen. 
that's not easy to do sometimes, especially when somebody cursing you. But God said, bless instead of curse. Choose to honor people. Choose to bless. How many of you want to bless this pastor and his wife and family? How many of you want to bless the person you're sitting next to, your wife or your husband or your children? How many of you want to bless the person sitting in front of you? You say, well, they owe me money. Well, maybe God will bless them and they'll pay you back. <laughs> Amen. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I didn't come to do anything other than bless you with growth and multiplication and dominion. And God has given me an authority to be able to speak it, not just simply to hype people up and make you feel good about yourself, but he's given me authority to move the devil out of your life and tear down a stronghold for this church and see victory in your spirit. Come on, somebody choose it here tonight. Somebody declare it. Somebody begin to speak it in Jesus' name. Somebody begin to declare it and say, I'm going to stand on truth. I'm going to stand on righteousness. I'm going to wait until my God answers me by fire. And I'm going to wait with joy. And I'm going to wait with blessing. And I know that sometimes when you bless, God will bless them before it comes back to you. And you've got to begin to rejoice that they got blessed and you're still in the fight. Boy, you, you, I'm telling you right now, when I started blessing, God said, okay, I'll bless them. And so he blesses them, but he forgot to bless me. And I said, God, is that ever going to come back? Now, I'll tell you what happened to me. What happened to me is that the Holy Ghost moved on me and I went to Lake Charles and preached at my home church and I spoke a blessing of finances upon the church. And it was just absolutely wonderful that within one week, I also went to Memphis, did the same thing, had the same anointing that's on me right now in this service, and I spoke a blessing of finances upon the church. And all of a sudden, the next day, somebody dropped a million dollars the, uh, my other brother, my brother in Lake Charles got $1.5 million in the mail. And I said, God, where's my check? <laughs> Woo! And you know what the Lord said? He says, it's better that I use you to give the blessing than you to receive the check in the mail. So you need to let me use you. I said, use me, Jesus. I want to bless, and I want to speak finances on this church. My God, I felt something move on me when I just said that. There's no, I'm telling you, there's no telling what God's liable to throw down on this church right now. God's going to do it in Jesus' name. God's going to do it on your family right now. Woo! Shatabarana. I speak against the sickness that's working in your body. I speak the sickness against the sickness of the soul that's working in your mind and heart. God's going to cast it out and deliver you here tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. So I made a pact with God. You use me to bless me. And you use me to bless others as I speak the word. I want you to do it, and all I'm going to do from now on is rejoice when I hear the report. Do you realize how great a blessing it is to be used like that? 
whether I get the check in the mail. Now, I told my church that, and all these smart alecks sent me $5 checks in the mail. I got five $5 checks in the mail, and I got up and I said, I pastor a church full of smart alecks. Thank you for my $5 check. <laughs> I gave it to missions just to aggravate them. <laughs> I said, I want, to, I want my check in the ever-loving mail, not them $5 ones. But praise God, we've remodeled our church. Our church has doubled. I'd rather have that blessing on my life. I've seen anointing and breakthroughs for local churches all over the world. I'd rather have that anointing than have a check in the mail any day because God blesses us differently. And I'm thankful for whatever blessing he will bestow upon this ministry to accomplish his work because I'm passionate and I want you to be saved I want you to be delivered I want you to be renewed in the Holy Ghost I want you to find it right now in Jesus name now I'll tell you why people lose passion is because problems become more prevalent than their potential and it seems like the problem is too great and the problems that come when you declare a promise like this, there are resistances in the enemy. And I want to share with you how to overcome those problems and stay passionate even in the midst of a problem. And some of you are the problem. How many of you will admit that? How many of you are sitting next to the problem now? <laughs> how many of you are living with the problem every day? How many of you will go ahead and admit you really are the problem? Okay, you took your first step toward growth. Now you're actually maturing and growing in the Lord. See, I told you you were going to grow, and already it started. Amen. Amen. You're growing. I, I'm the problem. Well, you've got to recognize you're the problem. But that doesn't mean you have to allow the enemy to beat you down because you're the problem. It's your lack of faith or it's your lack of whatever. It does not matter. God said, if you will humble yourself before me, I will bless you and I will show you what to do. He doesn't reveal that stuff to condemn you. He reveals it so he can correct it. Don't hang your head because there's stuff that you need to fix in your life. Everybody here could work on some things. How many of you could at least work on one thing? How many of you got about a hundred things you could work on right now? Well, God's not condemning you because of that. He wants to make you better. All he needs is somebody that'll say, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to have some joy. I'm going to choose to bless. I'm going to choose to be passionate. I'm walking in here on Sunday morning, and I'm going to be so passionate, I'm going to let the devil know that he's not going to stop me or this church or my family. I'm going to give glory and honor to the name of Jesus. Is anybody going to join me in my quest? Is anybody going to join me in the the purpose of God. That's what he wants to speak to you. Now, I want us all to stand, and if the musicians would come, and if the singers want to come as well, they can get ready to sing in just a moment because I can feel something happening so strong in this place tonight. There's something happening in your spirit. But I want that problem that has arisen in your life has, has been placed there by either the enemy's hand working against you or God has allowed it 
to instruct you and to teach you character and to change you. Because sometimes God does allow things to happen so that I can find out what I need to change and what I need to work on. Because you don't know until you get into a certain situation, then you find out, oh, well, I'm a meathead after all. I'm not perfect after all. And guess what? I'm not. And there's still areas in my life that God's working on, and I'm thankful for every one of those. I just want to present myself to him every day to give him a chance and an opportunity to change me and make me a better person. Now, I spoke to you about that spirit of depression. Now, this, this is not something to be afraid of or ashamed of because it's not a failure on your part. Because I've never understood depression before until we went through this COVID-19 and then I saw that spirit behind this COVID mess that got on people. And you talk about depressing people. I had to fight that spirit off of so many of our people because they were to totally choked by it. And I took authority over it. And some of you are battling that spirit, that spirit of discouragement, that spirit of despair, anxiety, panic. It's all really coming from the same source of fear. It's a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And, and I know that's not a lack in you. That's just a fact of our existence today of what we're fighting. I'm just identifying what you're fighting. We all fight it in some form or another. Now, we're going to come against that right now because you received the blessing that I spoke tonight and the faith that I spoke this blessing in. You, you received it tonight. But the devil is going to try to steal it away from you and he's going to make a problem rise up that's going to or even a problem that exists now and say well why does this exist if God's going to do this he's going to do it and we're going to re receive the victory okay I want you to lift your hand right now and say brother Kinsey I come against that spirit of depression in the name of Jesus I take authority over the fear and I cast down the stronghold of anxiety I take authority over fear and depression and I cast down the stronghold of anxiety right now in the name of Jesus I bless this church with faith I bless you with deliverance I bless you with multiplication I declare growth in this house this church has made up in their mind they're going to be passionate about the things of God and the Holy Ghost is going to work I said he's going to work He's going to work. I know my master. I know my message. And I know my mission. Right now, by the authority of the Word of God. Now, some of you feel and know that there's victory. But you don't don't realize it just yet it, it's there you know it's there but you just can't experience it at the moment I want you to step forward and walk up here to the front and say brother Kinsey I'm claiming my victory over this right now I'm claiming my victory over this 
and I'm taking authority right now in the in the name of Jesus over this spirit that's trying to choke me and keep me from my destiny and my purpose. I want you to step out by faith and declare it right now. I can feel that. Huh? Right there on you. Right there. I can feel the deliverance coming on you in Jesus' name. We will not give any place to the devil. We will not give him a quarter. We will not give him a dime of our time or consideration. Now the reality is this fear is real and it's demonic and it works very diligently to capture people and ensnare them in his prison and hold them and hold you captive. But the chains are breaking right now. I said the chains are breaking right now. The prison bars are being broken right now in the name of Jesus. Come up out of that grave.